ladies and gentlemen, this is David opposing the Matrix, and uh, so far we have a threesome here. We have me and Brian and Jim. Hello, guys. Hey, hello from Detroit. Hey, and hey Brian. hi from California. Yeah, and Dave from Oregon. So we got the left coast covered. Um, <laughs> we, we're waiting for uh, Eric. We we think he's going to be joining us. We don't know, but. Um, uh, we're waiting on him so he's he can join in any time he wants to. Um, so Eric, if you're listening, we're waiting for you. Um, you know, guys, I was um, I was watching a video um, and it was about the the harvesting of adrenochrome, and um, and the guy made an interesting comment. So I'm not going to say that this was my idea. This was not something that was well, maybe it was re- revealed to me through the Holy Spirit through this guy saying this, but. Um, and he was talking about, um, you know, how the, how the, the, uh, torture children and young adults, and I guess they could even do uh, regular adults, um, to produce this stuff because it's produced during torture and uh, in times of extreme stress in the bloodstream of the human. Um, it's produced by the adrenal gland, gland. And, uh, basically, um, it's, it's kind of what helps you to, to cope and calm and be calm during times of stress. Um, so, uh, they harvest it, and uh, then they, uh, well, a lot of them drink the blood. Some of it, some of them, they can extract it from the blood. But anyway, um, so I, I was watching this thing, and this guy goes, doesn't it kind of give a new meaning to the verse in Revelation where the woman becomes drunk on the blood of the saints? Hmm. And I went, whoa, whoa, revelatory moment, man, you know? Amen. It's like, wow, this, this has got to be investigated. And, uh, and so I was looking at uh, Revelation 17. It's where it's found. And lo and behold, Jim, it also talks about a character in history that was, was not, and will be again. And we know who that is. And so we'll talk about yeah. that tonight, too. So this is a very interesting chapter of Revelation. Um, I mean, they're all interesting, but, uh, this one, um, uh, part of it just got revealed to me or, you know, through, through this person saying this this week. And, um, uh, if you want, we can, we can, the chapter is pretty short actually. Um, but since it's pertinent to what we're going to be talking about tonight, I could, um, if you don't mind, I could, uh, go in there and, uh, let's see if I click on the right button. That is everyone, you know, when I'm at work, a lot of times I'm supposed to sign out and I always, I always click close computer. And it turns the computer off. <laughs> it makes it not nice for the next person that's going to use it. So I really got to be careful when I, oh, yeah, it's only 18 verses. So um, anyway, I'm reading out of the, uh, the King James. Um, it said, and there came, uh, there came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials. And he talked to me, saying unto me, come hither. I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Um, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So the whole inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk. Remember that. Um, so he carried me away in his spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit up upon the scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold, and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, and full of the abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. Not the kind of girl you'd want to bring home to mom. <laughs> um, 
And upon her forehead was written a name, Mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. And this, this is one of the pertinent verses that, you know, we'll get into. And I saw the woman drunk with, drunken, excuse me, with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And we'll go into a little word study on that because it almost makes it sound like, he, you know, when you admire somebody, you really you like them, but it doesn't mean that. Anyway, and the angel said unto me, uh, Wherefore dost thou, mar- dost thou marvel? I will tell thee a mystery of the woman and of the, bre- uh, the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was uh, and is and shall, excuse me, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life uh, from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast uh, that was and is and yet is, is, was not and yet is. So it says right in two verses, it says that. So um, that's pretty interesting. Anyway, um, and and here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains which the woman sitteth. And these are the seven kings who have fallen. One is the other, excuse me, one is, and the other is yet to come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns without sauce are kings, or excuse me, are ten kings, which has received no kingdom yet, but received power as kings, one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. And they shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And um, and he said to me, the waters which I saw, the horse sitteth, are the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, he shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire for God put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdoms unto the beast until the word of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is the great city, which reigneth over the Kings of the earth. Okay. So there we go. There's that. Now guys, I'll tell you, I was totally befuddled when I saw this. What I, what I did, and one reason why I was just a little late, not as bad as I have been in the past, um, with, uh, you know, signing on and everything. I did a little word study of that verse that talks about the uh, the woman being drunk. Okay, and then we can kind of go from there. Um, and I, I wrote it out more in prose than, um, than the scripture, but the words are... Are um, definitions of the uh, the original words in the text from the Greek, and it says, "And I saw with my eyes as to discern the woman, and that woman, that word woman actually denotes that she's a wife." Okay, it's the word gyna. It's where we get the word gynecology, gynecological, uh, you know, the study of um, the study of things. Um, uh, intoxicated with the blood, which is the word hyma which is where we get the word hemo, like hemo, hemo um, hemostatic, uh, any word for blood that starts that way. And the blood was uh, specifically shed by violence, according to the definition of the word, of the saints. 
and the saints are defined as those blameless and ceremonially consecrated, and with the blood of the martyrs, and martyrs is those who have undergone a violent death for Jesus, and then of Jesus is the rest of the verse. Uh, and then, um, and my eyes, and when my eyes discerned her, I stood there and in awe and wonder, as though I too was implicated just by being there, that such a person could carry out such a thing full of arrogance, which was derogatory to the majesty of God. So, anyway, it kind of gives you an idea with, uh, if you break the Greek down, what you can get out of the scripture, um, other than uh, the uh, the original uh, body of the text, which in itself is, is more than adequate. But, um, so I got to ask you guys, you know, it's with this all, all this adrenochrome thing going on, uh, they say that adrenochrome makes makes the person high, makes them almost drunk. Uh, do you guys see a correlation? If not, let me know. Maybe I'm just confabulating this and it's uh, it doesn't make sense. But do you think that there's some validity in the fact that maybe they're maybe they're going to torture the saints and the martyrs uh, almost to death just to harvest the blood and then kill them? Of course. I mean, that's that's what's been going on all throughout time. Um, this even goes to a, um, I believe it's a, a Buddhist tradition of sodomy, where they will bring a child to fear first, because the fear releases these endorphins. And it also, when they're sodomizing, they believe that they are taking the vitality of the youth into themselves. The two becoming one in a very sick, perverted uh, matter and means. So, I mean, these concepts and ideas have been, you know, no, nothing brand new. They've been a tradition all throughout the ages that have been covered up. So, I believe in these last days, apocalypse means the pulling back of the veil. It's a revelation of things that have gone on for ages. And this is what we're experiencing in the last, the last days. We're being revealed these truths of what's actually happening and as sick and twisted as they are i mean the most normal mind can't even conceive that is you know what kind of how did you dig up this kind of perversion in the bible in the word of god um that's why you know god is revealing these things to us today to see us we're living in a matrix man that's which one which we're opposed to but we are living in a matrix and God is starting to reveal these truths so that we can wake up and see what's really going on. Like Neil had to wake up and see what was really going on. Mm -hmm. Some people want to plug back in and forget it. Mm -hmm. We're not in that. You know, we, we took the other pill. We want to see what reality is, no matter how ugly it might be. Right. Right. Hey, Brian, I got to ask you a question. Um, now when they had those two, um, mercy ships or the, the Navy ships with the, um, uh, the mm -hmm. hospital ships. They pulled one into New York, and there was speculation that uh, that that one was working with Samaritan's Purse to recover victims that were being held underground uh, because they never really took anybody there um, to either place. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what did you hear anything about what was going on with the ship down in, in Los Angeles? Did they use it at all, or or anything like that, or did you just not hear anything, or was it not in the news, or because we never heard anything about it here. Uh, they, I, what I heard, uh, I think maybe 25 patients is all that went on that ship. Okay. And it was basically empty. Mm -hmm. um, some of the crew got COVID. Oh, wow. Um, 
they yeah they they were supposed to bring they were supposed to bring non-COVID patients to the ships so the hospitals would have the COVID patients. Instead, they brought positive COVID patients to the ship, which got the crew sick. Oh boy! So that's what happened here, and they didn't use the ship very much. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, just Still yeah, eighteen there. patients, oh, about okay. eighteen patients, mm-hmm. is all they treated on that ship. After about two to three months sitting in San Pedro Harbor uh, right. by Long Beach, so. Um, yeah, it was. It, he never used it, and then our governor here was complaining that we were overwhelmed, and the hospitals were overwhelmed, and we got to flatten the curve. But the ship was basically empty. He never used it. I'll be darned. Huh? Yeah. Now in New York, it was almost the opposite. There was earthquakes being felt. There are no fault lines in New York. There shouldn't been any earthquakes. These were explosions. These were blowing up the underground tunnels. And there was a huge amount of people that were were taken into the hospital ships. They were um, all of a sudden, I forget what the cover story was. These were refugees or something, but they were taking them to North Carolina and they were heavily guarded. And it had something to do with drugs and international drug things and and that was the cover story. But um, these were some of the children that had lived an entire life underground, never seeing the surface before. They were set free. They were, they were. I mean, this ship was cram-packed with people. It was heavily guarded by gunships, by um, all kinds of things. They said because it had to do with drugs and illegal trafficking and drugs during the COVID virus thing um, that they had busted. What it was, was this was their way of protecting these children and getting them safe to North Carolina. The cover story worked. All these people were, were taken and apparently uh, set free. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, and I, one was Hope and Mercy, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, one was Hope and the other one was Mercy, I do believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking for some, Okay. Now, here's, this is going to blow your mind. I don't think I brought this up last week. Um, I brought it up in a, in a solo show that I did. Um, but um, when I looked up the gematria for um, Donald John Trump, one of the words that came up or phrases that came up was Arik Burr Joint Medical Center. And I'm like, what in the world is Arik Burr Joint Medical Center? So I typed it in the search engine. What else would I do, right? Yeah, Okay, now, believe it or not, this is a real medical center, and guess where it is? You're never going to guess, but just pick it. <laughs> where? It is in Yerevan, Armenia. Okay, now, and this is what I wrote. Okay, now, this is conjecture on my part, but please hear me out. We know that back in March and April in New York and Los Angeles, two of the U.S. Navy's medical ships docked to help with COVID-19 workload. As far as we know... Neither ship received COVID-19 patients. Brian, I'll have to amend this because of what you said, but thank you for that. Uh, but only 25 when they can have thousands on there is, is not a lot. Anyway, um, at the time, there were rumors of underground wars going on around America where pedophiles were being killed and children were being rescues, rescued. Rumors uh, were that Franklin Graham's tent hospital, Samaritan's Purse, were set up in, in Central Park, New York, to attend uh, 
to to rescue children, child victims, after which these children were loaded onto the hospital ships as they were as they were in the Los Angeles area. That's yet to be verified, by the way. Um, with this in mind, we have not heard any of any of these children arriving at any children's hospital in the United States. Because look, look at all of them that you have. You have uh, the Danny, Th- Danny Thomas place, um, uh, St. Jude. You have uh, Doran Becker up in Portland. You've got children's hospitals, uh, the Shriners, all over the place. You, the, not one right. of them has gone there. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, now, uh, I re- like I said, I researched um, Arab Gear uh, Joint Medical Center. It's a large children's hospital facility in the nation of Armenia in the city of Yerevan. Uh, when you research their site, you'll see what they're involved in. And, and they're involved in just about the cure or, or, or treatment of just about every disease, deformity, and abnormality that can manifest in a child. Okay. And then I have, I have on there, um, it's a screenshot of the services provided. Now, I, you know, I surmise, could it be that Donald Trump worked out something with the Ar- Armenian government to care for the children that have been or, and are still being rescued from pedophile networks? Uh, many born as pedophile slaves who might number two or three generations of children and are young adults that have never known a normal kind of life. Just think about that. I said, it makes sense to me. Um, so anyway, um, you know, my, my supposition is that they were loaded and, and brought somewhere and they're being cared for. But um, anyway, getting back to what we were talking about, yes, they, they were bred, so that they could have their blood harvested, their organs harvested, and for sex, of course. And um, and but they were rescued. And um, but I, the reason I asked about the ships is because I was just I knew I knew the history of the ship in uh, New York, but I didn't know about Los Angeles. But uh, yeah, twenty-five people on a ship that can treat thousands is not very much. And uh, so thanks, Brian. I'm I'm glad that you know we were able to clarify some stuff, and I wanted to talk with you about that. And I had forgot about asking you uh, for the last few weeks. But um, yeah. anyway, um, you know, getting back to the um, the adrenochrome um, aspect of it. Um, so it's very possible that um, that that's what it's talking about, and. Um, it, well, I don't know if we'll get to see that. I was going to say it'd be interesting to see if that's what happens, but um, uh, I think we'll it, find out about it after the reset. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I do too. So, um, any any other yeah. thoughts about the adrenochrome or about the woman that drinks the blood and gets drunk from the blood of the saints? For you, you know, the thing with the Armenian um, center. It almost seems like a foreign version of John Hopkins University, you know, where it's cutting edge um, uh, research and development. Right. So it makes all the sense in the world that they would do it out of state because I hate to say it. The swamp runs deep in America. You don't know who to trust. And it would be better to to take it overseas where it's maybe a little safer for the kids. Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. it's totally good logic, man. Makes all the sense in the world. And in you fact, know, it aligns up to Jamatra. How can you deny that? You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's just, a- it just—it sort of freaks me out because I don't, and I always clarify before I bring up this subject. I don't buy into using that for everything. You know, I'm, I'm not a numerologist. I don't believe. You know, I do believe that God uses numbers, but that's His business, and we can know a little bit about that. But I will, would never use it to predict anything or to, um, 
to make up a prophecy or, to, or anything like that. But when when names like that come into match the name of Donald John Trump, who is currently president and who is currently cleaning out these nests of vipers that are doing this, it just it was just too much yeah. of a coincidence, you know. It's, um, well, we we have biblical references to the practices being happened, so we know that it's real. It does happen. So all we're seeing is we're we're seeing the processes of people that are losers they don't win they lose i don't care how elaborate their system and plan is so we see the biblical rep, biblical reference for these things happening now we're uh -huh. seeing the plan that's undoing it it's because that's why they're losers right. because if you believe you know if you believe amos 3 7 and my servants the prophets then you know that what trump is doing is being a trumpet and he's trumping the elite by beating them at at their evil, wicked game and exposing it. So to me, it just it makes all the sense in the world. It is part of the four levels of Partis being a sod, which is an encrypted message within a message. And it doesn't conflict with the most basic understanding of the scripture. So to me, that's pretty solid, Dave. <laughs> it's no yeah. speculation on your It's pretty solid. I know. I just get kind of freaked out because there's some people that would form a judgment about you because you look into numbers. But um, uh, if, if, if any of you guys ever looked into Jonathan Kahn, he's supposedly coming out with a new book. Now, I, I read The Harbinger, and, and it was a pretty good book. You know, I I kind of think that some of the stuff that he was saying was kind of stretching it a little bit. Um, but he's he was on the other day, and he was on It's Supernatural, and I usually don't watch that show. Um, there's something about Sid Roth that bothers me, and it just might be me. I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, he had him on there, and um, he, he was um, talking about a lot of things, too, that were um, really close to what we do on this show, um, looking into things um, kind of from a, uh, what I, an abstract sort of manner. And seeing how things tie together, and he was—it was pretty convincing what he was talking about. So uh, somebody had ordered the book for me, and I'm going to read it and see, you know, see all about it. But um, uh, do you? I don't know. Do you guys know anything about Jonathan Kahn? What are your What are your comments, or what are your? Do you think he's on the up and up? And if he is, um, uh, you know, should we be reading his works? Um, I, I don't know. I'm just curious what you guys think about him. Well, you know, I've, I've made comments before that, you know, a prophet is going to be like a filter. So if he's preconditioned to certain doctrines, he's going to see it through that lens. Mm -hmm. What God gives him is pure, but how he interprets it may be, you know, uh, influenced by their preconditioned theology. I think Khan is the most transparent, godly man, truly of God. But I think it's filter. A little bit based on Tim LaHaye kind of theology that I call Swiss cheese theology. But still, that doesn't discredit anything. I consider the man godly. I think, uh, and I understand the filter that he's looking at. Thank God, you know, I, I'm a Baptocostal. I'm a um, Calmanist. I can see sides on both, you know, truths on both sides of the camps, where he tends to lean, you know, towards one theology more than the other. But it's not his fault. He's doing the best he can with what he has. I, I think his things should be considered, mm -hmm. but I do understand it myself, even, you know, all of us, we are filters. Sometimes we can, you know, be very accurate. And sometimes we're maybe offset because of our own humanness. Right. 
Right. And that's mm-hmm. why I present thing as, you know, something to consider. That way, yeah, I get myself off the hook. But at the same time, I'm allowing the every individual to take this back to the Lord personally and have it verified or clarified as to what is and what isn't. I'm not going to say, thus say the Lord, I got all the answers. Here it is. Believe me, because God told me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. If I present it as here's a possibility, you pray about it, you have a personal relationship, you'll get the understanding from God. That lets me off the hook, but it also allows God the freedom to overrule the human frailty that all of us carry. Right. But I think that I think he's a godly, sincere man that is, is about as transparent as anyone can be. I trust okay. what the man says. Good. Okay. And what about you, Brian? What do you think? Are you familiar with his work or his books or anything? Yeah, but before I say anything, I... I'm, I was Baptist and then I was charismatic. So now I'm a Baptomatic. So, <laughs> I still I say just, that sounds like something that Popeil would sell on a late night yeah. television show. <laughs> yeah. So my, and if you buy now, I'm, we'll double the offer, just pay a separate fee. So <laughs> my, my, my back, a Baptomatic theology, uh, I, I've seen him, I've uh, read up on him a little bit, not recently, but in the past. Uh, yeah, he's a good guy, and he's knowledgeable in the word, but and and yeah, I think he's legit. But I, I've been reminded, but the scripture says he's basically a modern day prophet, mm-hmm. teacher, that you you judge a prophet by first of all how accurate he is. Does it line up with the word of God? Right. And a lot of things he does say do line up with the word of God, but and not talking about Jonathan Kahn now, but, but over the past 25, 30 years with the move of the spirit through the churches and like Toronto and those things that happened in the nineties and uh, some stuff that's happening up in Redding, California. Um, you got to be careful because God starts it off and it's the Lord, but then man gets in there and has to do his thing. Right. And, and, uh, I, I think Jonathan Kahn is right on a lot of his stuff, but um, um, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that if you want to know when I'm coming back, he gave a list of things to look at. Right. And obviously no one knows the day or the hour, because if I knew the day or the hour, man, my bags would be packed. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be, I'd, you know, I, I, I'd go out and get all the credit cards. And, no, I wouldn't I do that. Hardest max, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm just, I'm just, as you guys are talking, I'm kind of thinking about with the conversations, and um, the scripture's pretty clear. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the old and in the Old Testament, especially about what our time is supposed to be like before the Lord returns. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you read tonight was about chapter 17 of Revelation about the harlot and the blood. And um, you can actually see, like you guys mentioned, they're doing that harvesting now uh, right. with children, with adults. It's just, it's hard to even think that way. I, I can't see how a human being would do that, but but they're evil. There's evil people. So um, I'm seeing all this, hearing all this, realizing that the Lord has given us a lot of signs, a lot of wonders. Um, I think there's supposed to be, I just saw a glimpse of the TV the other day or yesterday 
There's supposed to be an asteroid passing by the Earth the day before the election. Uh-huh. Right. Um, yep. It's supposed to. It's pretty big. It's like six feet in diameter. Right. Uh, it's supposed to you know, not hit us supposedly, but pass by pretty close. So is that a coincidence? Nothing's a coincidence. Right. Um, God's God's got a reason for everything He does. So with Jonathan Khan, yeah, I think he's a good man. I definitely think he. He's got good intentions. A lot of his stuff is really good. But some of these guys get worked up on, on certain dates. Not him, but others. Remember, um, you may not remember this, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Was oh, Going to Happen in 1988. yeah, I read that book. <laughs> you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I <laughs> yep. I remember. Remember, and remember everything was supposed to shut down on, uh, 2000, in 2000, the computers with the Y2K, uh-huh. that whole yep. thing. Right. Everybody was freaked out. Um, and so, and then, you know, he was supposed to come, I forgot in 2012, yeah, 2012, there were supposed to be massive earthquakes and tsunamis. And, um, that's why we have the Bible, right? The Bible keeps us square, keeps our head, uh, in the right place, spiritually speaking. And mm-hmm. what I look at it, Jesus said in the last days in Matthew 24, there'd be earthquakes in various places. It'd be right. pestilence, right? Uh-huh. Wars, rumors of wars. That's just three or four right there. Earthquakes, as you know, have increased exponentially over the last 20 years. I mean, you you literally cannot keep count and step with a computer on how many earthquakes happen all the time. Right. And I'm not talking little. I'm talking five O's and above. Right. There's hundreds a year now, if not mm-hmm. thousands. Uh, 150 years ago, you'd be lucky if you got one every 10 years. Right. If you go back and look at the charts. Uh-huh. And so, um, wars, we know what that's about. You know, all the wars we've had and the rumors of wars and the whole, uh, China and the virus and, um, just uh, the pestilence. So Jonathan Khan, Khan talks a lot about this stuff, relates it to scripture, which is pretty accurate in what he does. Right. And basically what he's saying is Yeshua is about to come back. Uh-huh. And we we talk about this every week, but every week that goes by for me, I'm surprised we're still here another week after yeah. watching what's going on on the news. Yeah. And I'm exactly. thinking, Lord, I'm thinking, Lord, this isn't funny anymore. When are you uh-huh. coming back? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I my bags are packed by the door. Come on. So. <laughs> Um, and I'm not an escape person. Like I want to escape. I've lived, you know, over 60 years on this earth. Um, so, but my heart longs for the new kingdom as I see evil just rampant in our culture. Uh, you know, like Lot was with Sodom and Gomorrah when he was in Sodom and he was at the gates of the city. He grieved. And, and so how are we, we grieve or, you know, cause we see all this stuff going on. The mass wearing, which is basically a, to control us, the riots. And so um, Jonathan Kahn speaks about all that stuff. I think he's pretty right on. I haven't read his books in a while, but the ones I've read and the things I've heard him say, he he's he's pretty good. He's really good. Uh-huh. Um, but it's the scriptures that I go to. Let a prophet judge the other prophets. Right. So if somebody is saying something, does it line up with scripture? Does it, does it, or when somebody says something, it kind of makes you turn inside, like, ah, I don't know about that. Uh-huh. You know, uh, that's usually the Lord. 
you know something's of the Lord when somebody speaks because you just feel it. You just know. That's God. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the thing on the on the blood and that we were talking about in chapter 17, I never thought of that verse in that way that you mentioned about the the, the elites using it as basically um, something to help them live longer uh-huh. and and you know eternal life. But it, I, you know, it kind of makes sense because that verse talks. There's so many believers are going to be killed during that time by that religious economic system of Babylon that there's going to be blood everywhere. That's right. So, I mean, even be, before the Battle of Armageddon, I mean, I, I don't know the numbers, but at least two thirds of the world is killed before even that battle happens. Uh huh. So that's billions of people. So that's a lot of shed blood and um but you're right with that much shed blood i i can see the elite at this time if i was an elitist and i had that much money living during that time i would see all this coming upon me i'd be heading to my bunker i would have the technology to have that blood stored up and stocked for a long time right in order to do that if that many people are being killed all at at one time, it would be very easy for them to collect a lot of blood. Oh, sure. Uh, very, very, very quickly. So mm-hmm. I can definitely see that happening. And as evil as people are right now and what's going on, uh, even in the news, um, that poor guy got kicked in the head by that protester in Portland, oh, I think I it was. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I watched that and I thought that guy, he didn't have it. He didn't even hesitate. He had no remorse. His heart is black as as coal. And we are living in a society now, part of it, not all of it, because there's good people that wouldn't take much to set off a global riot, basically. It wouldn't take much. And so I I can see that happening pretty easily. But um, with Jonathan Kahn, going back to that, yeah, he's good. Um, some people, I, uh, Benny Hinn, I have a problem with. Yeah, um, yeah me too. Me too. Um, and there's some others out there. I, I don't know what I don't want to offend people, but um, Kenneth, Kenneth, Kenneth but, Copeland. Kenneth Copeland, and I li- I used to like Joyce Myers, but I kind of wonder now. Yeah. And I might get some people uh, not agreeing with me, but I just um, I have a hard time um, with her. Some of the things that she says. Yeah, Not just for money. You can have money, and that's fine. But just some of her um, sermons, if you want to call them that. I, the used to, that I used to enjoy her back in the 80s. No, no oh. way. No, I got a major problem. It's there's the a, there's a, wheat, and, uh, wheat, and, wheat and tares, sheep and goats. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think money has infiltrated the church, and the church has gotten greedy. Yep. Um. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being rich. Obviously, there's people out there rich, and that's great. But when you're a leader for the Lord and you're um, an orator of the Lord and you're rightly dividing the word of the Lord for his people, you are held to a high accountability. And not just on what you say, but how you live, how you people view you. It doesn't mean you live, you just have to live a perfect life for everybody, but you need to be careful how you present yourself. And some of these people, like Joel Olstein, uh-huh. um, 
Rick Warren, uh-huh. um, some of, some of the, the things, the cars and the jets and the money and the books. Um, it just turns me when I see that inside. I just feel grieved. Um, and that's just the times we're living in. And that actually goes along with that chapter because it's basically Babylon at this time. And there's different views of this passage. But generally speaking, it's an economic and spiritual system that is used to control the world. Right. And I did a little reading and research, too, today on it. And it's basically all the religions come together to create one religion that is used to manipulate from the Antichrist and the false prophet to manipulate the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's here now. I mean, you've got churches that are all religions are good, you know? Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're a Mormon, you're great. If you're Catholic, you're good. If you're this, you're that, and that's fine. And I know there's Christian Catholics out there. I know that there's some, there's believers, but I'm not talking about the individual. I'm talking about the system. Right. The Catholic Church has probably killed more believers than the Muslims over the centuries. Over so, 70 million, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just not talked about anymore. Everything's been tried to, they try to push it back and so you can forget it. But this harlot in 17, uh, Revelation 17, and the blood that is spilled because of her and what the elitists are going to do with it. Um, all I know is God's got a day destined for these people and it's not going to be pretty for them. Uh, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, um, I have to wonder, you know, um, if, if this follows the same tradition as child sacrifice is, is followed, um, and, and I know that abortion is child sacrifice. It's plain and simple. But um, back in the days of ancient uh, Israel and um, and then back in the times uh, with, with her surrounding neighbors and, and even in Egypt and stuff like that, they sacrificed children. I did, and as we were talking, I just I was thinking to myself, I just have to wonder that if um, maybe we should explain who Molech was. He was uh, basically one of the gods of the uh, Canaanites. And what they would do is they would make uh, out of bronze or out of some kind of metal, they would make an image to this God and then he was hollow and they would fill it with wood and they would cause it to get red hot. And then he would place the, the child into the hands that were held out uh, of Moloch and, uh, you know, it was child sacrifice. But I got to wonder if that was a form of torture just to get the blood to the point where they could harvest it and drink the blood. Because God is very emphatic about blood. And all in the Old Testament, don't drink blood. Uh, don't drink. Don't eat anything with blood in it. Um, don't in, in the New Testament. Don't uh, eat animals that were sacrificed to idols. Um, you know, and, and things like that. And and we we hear from from the Lord that the life is in the blood. The life of every person is in their blood. Um, so you know, it's it, it re- says a reason to me that back in those days they were probably doing the same thing. And today it's it's considered new. You know, this is a new thing, uh, just like everything else is new. But we, we know from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 that there's nothing new under the sun and that they probably did this stuff before, um, you know, during during the biblical times. They probably did it during the Middle Ages. I mean, heck, they, they used to think that taking blood out of people made them better. Remember, uh, that's how Washington died, as a matter of fact. You know, they bled them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so it's it's uh, the blood is very important to God. It's very uh, he knows that it's the uh, the stability of the of the animal or the human, as the case may be, and that the shedding of it. Uh, what does it say? Anyone who anyone who shed sheds a man's blood, his blood will be shed. You know, so that's the eye for eye and tooth for tooth thing. And for sometimes, I don't think that's a uh, a bad um, mm-hmm. system of doing things because it dissuades people. But um, anyway, uh, I, I can't help but wonder if uh, this is just another practice that were that was done back in the days of Noah. Um, and and what I like to remind people too is that the days of Noah weren't just before the flood because he lived I think 500 years after the flood, and um, you know so I think he was I think it, somebody said that uh, he could have known or Abraham could have met Noah. Oh yeah, that's how long, that's how long Noah lived. <laughs> so, yep. Um, you know, is it, that in in the divided kingdom, the ten northern tribes of Israel. Um, other than the tribe of Judah, they were separated. They were sacrificing and passing uh, and putting their children, uh, passing them through the fire. Literally in the in the Greek there, that means that they were consuming their blood and their bodies, their flesh. Now think of it in the same of opposite. Jesus said, "Unless you have eat my um, drink flesh, drink, drink my drink blood, blood, or eat my body." Yes. Pardon me. So Satan uh, says in the same but opposite. Ha, huh, okay. Well, I'm going to have all of you. You're not going to eat my blood and drink. I'm going to have you eat you guys' own blood and or drink your own blood and uh, eat the flesh of your children. So this is the practice that was being done on Mount Hermon um, during the divided kingdom. Uh, it is biblically very sound doctrine that this stuff was going on. It's the same thing that happened before, that it's nothing new under the sun. It's it's what has always been done, maybe all the way back to the Garden of Eden. I don't know how far it goes back, but I know that the practice has been ever since the fall. The elite have practiced this practice that we're now rediscovering still exists in the modern age today. So it, it it's biblical, it's scriptural, it's not even speculation. It is what happened before, and Satan is mocking God by doing everything the same but opposite. So this is why we're seeing, this is why the Aztecs, you know, did the practices they had. I mean, all throughout different cultures, the paganism at its worst, that's what it was all about. Drinking blood, consuming flesh in a same but opposite manner. Um, it's just Satan mocking God. Uh, doing everything in a same but opposite fashion. So it's very consistent. We're just rediscovering what has always been. Um, mm-hmm. It's horrifying. You know, for, I mean, the most normal mind can't even conceive that that could even be possible. But we're talking about someone who is insane. He thinks he's going to beat God at his own, you know, his own process or procedure. And... So it's natural that all his followers are going to be equally as insane. So for us, it's incomprehensible that anything could be that way. Well, you know, but it's 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 mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, you're you're only as good as your God is. Let's put it that way. And um, <laughs> and it's it's uh, we were told that um, uh, there was a guy named Phil Schneider. Uh, he he used to uh, be involved in uh, exposing uh, deep underground military bases. And lost his life not long after he made this video I have here. But I think um, he was one of 
hero myself. I really yeah, do. He was. And describing going into those places and finding like big vats of human body parts, you know, and, uh, and, I know. and, and describing that that's what these, um, these supposed aliens, we, we know they're fallen angels, but that's what they were feasting on. And, yeah. um, and then we, um, you read the book of Enoch, first Enoch, where uh, it was it's funny. We were just, uh, they have it online and you can actually have it read to you. I like that. But, um, and how he was talking about how, uh, how the, uh, the Nephilim, how, uh, when they had, uh, they were, they exhausted all the, um, the resources of men. And after it had, they had, re, um, exhausted all the resources of men. They started to feed on mankind himself. Yeah. They started to eat people. And, uh, you know, then we, we hear about the, the, you know, the dumb bases and stuff like that. So it's an age old thing. And, so these people, these elite that get into this, basically they're doing just what their gods are doing, what their, and with a small G, of course, um, yep. and, and what their what their idols are doing and everything else, and what they're being told to do. Mm. And I'm not trying to give them a, pa- a pass on it or anything like that, but it's just a repeat of what's been going on forever and ever, you know, since the since the fall of mankind, basically. And um, it's it's a gosh darn shame that it's happening, you know, but. Um, and, and it, there will come a day, thank God, when he returns, and it won't happen anymore. But uh, it's going to get worse before it gets any better, of course. But uh, uh, we got to we got to look long range. And 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 one theme that keeps coming up with with all of us on this show is that you know things are going to get worse, but it all is happening for a purpose. You know, yeah. it's, it's all happening yeah. to to bring a culmination to show. Basically, it's and I, I keep thinking about. Um, about the Muslims that are getting saved or were maybe still are getting saved over in uh, Syria. They saw how wicked mankind could be through, through what ISIS was doing. ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah. they were ripping the hearts out of people and consuming the hearts while they were still beating. And then, and, and you know, that's not normal of course, but when, um, when, when you're normal and you see something doing somebody doing something abnormal in the name of their God, supposedly you say, uh-uh, I don't want to be part of that anymore. You know, and then you say, okay, well, I'm going to look for an alternative. And so it seems like the more wicked that people become, the more it causes even even um, people that aren't searching at the time, it causes them to think, hey, this is not the way. You know, there's got to be a better way. And and then they start looking around and then they realize that the only better way is Jesus. You know, right. So it's. um, what is it? What does that scripture say? Where where sin abounds, abounds, grace abounds more. I think is what it says. Um, I'm not sure. Oh. Uh, I, so, is that? A, I'm glad. I don't it's know either Hebrews or Ephesians. I can't remember which one, but one of those. Okay. But that's the, that's the basic premise of the the, the thing, right? right. That, yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. you, you, you get know, so tired of seeing the wickedness that you want something else. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I was just. Reminding uh, of the two holidays that are coming up, one in December, one in the spring, Christmas and Easter. And you guys probably know the or- origins of Christmas and Easter, mm-hmm. um, the, about the, the, the child sacrifice and the orgies and, and all those things that go on there. Um, there you go. I mean, yes, and we have a holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and. And I know um, a lot of people don't agree 
with that. I've had pushback about talking about this because, you know, Christmas is Jesus's birthday. And, but he actually wasn't born in December. He's probably born in September, October. Um, and, but since we're on the subject of blood, um, that's what it's about. I mean, they would sacrifice their children on these holidays. I think it's Easter. They would sacrifice them on Easter, which, uh-huh. as you guys probably know, the goddess of Eshtar, the sensual mm-hmm. goddess. And then, you know, they dip uh, eggs into the blood of these babies. And uh, um, I'm just reminded of this because it says in the last days, men's hearts will grow cold. There'll be a falling away of the faith. Uh, good will be evil, evil will be good. And with this COVID, I'm seeing with believers, well, let me just say Christians. I don't even want to say believers because there's a lot of Christians, but there's only so many believers. Right. And you know what I mean? The and remnant. so, yeah, exactly. The remnant are believers. The rest are just fake Christians that think they're going to heaven, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um We've been doing these holidays and these traditions for hundreds of years. and and our mainstream pastors and Bible theologians aren't coming out with the real truth. It's kind of like the, the whole thing with the mask. I saw on Tucker Carlson tonight, the CDC came out and said, the mask, there's no evidence the mask help at all. Right. That's what he said tonight on Tucker Carlson. Uh-huh. So, but you never hear that on the news. You've got to wear your mask. We're going to make it mandated. Why aren't we hearing the church leaders about these pagan holidays that got put into our Jewish holidays, mm-hmm. um, like Hanukkah and Passover, um, our leaders, Christian leaders, should be coming out and saying, hey, these holidays aren't really scriptural. They're not really in the scriptures. There's something we've just been passed down through the centuries to do. Well, Actually, their, their roots are in pagan worship. I'll tell you, Brian, I, 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 that subject was brought up um, in our church by our former pastor, and that's not why he's uh-huh. our former pastor. And <laughs> um, when he brought that up, you would not believe the gasps that you heard in, in the um, from the people sitting in the pews. You know, it was like, okay, this guy has gone over the line now, you know. And, again, right. he, he stayed for, for quite a while after that, but – um, it, you know, he, he brought up about Christmas actually probably being in October and he brought up about Saturnalia and, and about Astarte and, um, and stuff like that. And it was like, it was almost like there was going to be a rebellion. I, I, I kid you not. It was the weirdest feeling I have ever had. My, my wife and I knew that we're, you know, what am I saying? My wife, both know her, um, Barbara and I knew that he was right. You know, and we, you know, we just kind of sat there and because I, I heard it and I went, oh, boy, you know, <laughs> and and, uh, and then I heard the gasps and it's it was like he is going against all the tradition that we've ever been taught. And right. And it's almost like, you know, I think if it would have been Jesus time, they probably would have cried out, crucified him. Um, yeah, it, it was it was bizarre. Wow. It really was. Now, I understand tradition. You know, we all understand tradition and stuff like that. The people are are just brought up in this vein, you know, and, and, and this stuff. And and um, 
and it's it's you know it's it's just something that it's oh how do I put this it's something that we do and it's something that um, will probably change someday and our our stance on it here is that we just pray that God's will is done and that if you know if he if he wills the church to change which I do think yeah. it does anyway, that it will. But, you know, we're not going to – I can't fault people that – I mean, not the leaders. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the everyday person that sits in the pew. You can't, right. exactly. you can't really fault them for what they've they've been taught, you know. And uh, But, you know, we just pray for the light to come on someday, and, and perhaps it will, you know. Uh, it's just like, you know, I, I have a lot of people – I mean, I've read, but I've read a lot of things, you know. Well, if you don't say, if you say Yeshua and you don't say Yehoshua, you're saying the name wrong. Or if right. you know, if you're saying the name Jesus, well, and and I always bring up to them, well, then you're you are condemning, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying these people, uh, they are condemning millions of people who have come to faith through the blood of Jesus. You know, saying that they did it wrong and that God doesn't recognize it. So what is there going to be, 15 people in heaven? <laughs> you know, and, and God knows the heart. And uh, and, and so, um, yes, it's it's there is a, um, uh, what do you call it, a pagan element there. And, you know, it all had to do with Constantine and his mother, Helena, and stuff like that. And... Um, but and I I have faith that it'll it'll change someday, you know, um, and as long as I know that the Jesus that they're serving is the Yeshua that I'm serving, because I, I always bring up too. Okay, well, what about the Italians that say Gesù instead of Jesus, you know? And and uh, I think it's pronounced. Uh, I think what the Muslims say Issa, you know. It's all the same person. It's just the different names that are used. And and as long as they know that they're talking about the scriptural Jesus, then um, and I don't know if I ever told you this story, but um, it, one day I got a phone call. Actually, it was more like like one o'clock in the morning, and there was this lady that had read my book, and she walked. She called me up to tell me I was wrong, and she goes, "You're wrong," and I'm like, uh, "Okay." So you called me up at one o'clock in the morning. You know, there's there's plenty of time. You could have done it any time to tell me I'm wrong. But what am I wrong about? Well, you said the name of Jesus works to chase away these aliens that they, they won't bother you. And I said, yeah, it works. No, it doesn't. It does not work. And I so, I, you know, I, I was praying the whole time. Lord, help me to understand and be able to, to, to do this, you know. And, and so finally I heard a little voice tell me, ask her who she thinks Jesus is. And I said, well, ma'am, let me ask you, who do you think Jesus is? Oh, well, he's the power over the universe. He's he's the cosmic Christ. He's And i like, there's your problem. I said, you're calling upon a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible, the, the Jesus that has the power to chase these things away. I said, ma'am, what you're doing is akin to, run, to a Jew running into Gestapo headquarters and yelling out, save me from Hitler. You know, it's it's just not going to work. But um, no, knowing the biblical Jesus, knowing Jesus Christ as opposed to the Christ consciousness, is there's a big difference, you know. And um, and so anyway, I don't know where, why I'm going down this rabbit hole. I really don't. 
Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that, um, you know, that God knows the hearts of men. Um, and that, uh, and as I know from that pastor that, that came out and said that, I know that he knows the truth. And I know that that day he was testing the waters. You know, he was, he was, he said that to see what would happen. And <laughs> he realized what would happen. And, uh, I never really brought it up again. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, perhaps he planted some seeds. You know, perhaps he, when he said that, some people, one or two people in the congregation went, Hey, I got to look into this. And, you know, there's a good book called The Woman Rides the Beast. And, uh, fantastic book that goes into all that stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you read it and then, you, you know, you, you take what you can out of it. And, you know, you, um, uh, I can't remember the, but you don't throw the baby out the bathwater. I can't remember the biblical term, but um, <clears throat> you glean from it what you can, um, what what God wants you to glean from it. And whatever isn't worth gleaning, then you just let let it blow away from the threshing, threshing floor, so to speak. But, um <clears throat> Excuse me, I got something caught there. But um, anyway, um, so yeah, I, I I do totally agree, and uh, and we we've discussed this before, you know, we have, and and uh, I think we've all, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but we all we all know that, you know, what, what God knows a person's heart and stuff like that, and and uh, He knows the people that He wants to. Oh, what am I trying to say? Help me out here. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm going down another rabbit hole, but, but I see I, I I agree with Brian a hundred percent. You know, I really uh, do. And but I and I know that Brian believes like me that he knows that God knows a man's heart and stuff like that because I I've talked right. with Brian extensively. So, um, but yeah, 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 I do see I do see how the the world has. Um, has turned things around and and um, and and put a um, shall we say in some instances put a uh, a different wrapping paper on on the gift that we're um, I used the illustration the other day um, you're going to give somebody something for their birthday and they you know you miss their birthday so you think it's a good idea to give them the same thing for Christmas well you just take the birthday paper off and you put Christmas paper on it <laughs> you know it's the same gift. <laughs> But um, but you're just changing the the paper, the wrapping, the uh, the exterior, you yeah. know. So um, anyway, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess, why. Go ahead. Well, part of what I was getting across was because we're talking about uh, like Revelation 17, the Babylon, the religious economic powerhouse for the tribulation, and uh-huh. and. I'm seeing that with COVID, with the churches and the leadership in some of the churches, actually a lot of them, gotcha. as believers, there's a lackadaisical, um, let's all get along attitude. You know, let's not rock the boat. Let's not push back. Um, right. I, I don't want to push back because it might get nasty. It might get ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think some of that's coming from, um, leadership in some of the churches isn't the godliest leadership and i think the covid is showing is revealing who the church is is what i'm trying to say right um i'm not saying every church that doesn't open up isn't a godly church 
Right. But as the longer this goes on, and the longer the church tolerates not meeting together, especially as you see the day approaching, we're commanded to meet together. We're literally commanded to meet together. Then that starts to put up red flags like, okay, okay, it's been six months. Okay, nine months, 12 months, a year and a half, two years. When is enough is enough. Right. And and that's what I'm saying. And it mentions in the last days that people will fall away from the faith. I used to think that people wouldn't go to church when I was younger. No, I don't think that's the case. I think the churches are packed. Mm-hmm. It's the people in the churches that are falling away from the faith. They're right. just sitting there with no moral conviction because they have no Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. But, they, but they feel good there, so they stay there because it makes them feel good. You know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm seeing is and the people that are starting to push back now and there's several thousand, I think 14,000 churches in California that are, are opening up or they already have opened up. Um, they're, I don't know these pastors. I don't know who they are, but I bet you a lot of, most of them or all of them are spirit filled born again believers that are saying, you know what? We take the, the word of God literally. And when he says to meet together, we need to meet together. Uh-huh. And we didn't we we did it to flatten the curve, but now we're waiting till a vaccine shows up. Right. And now they're saying today a vaccine may not show up until next year. Uh-huh. So um, that's what I meant by when I was talking about that is how easy the church world are the the Christian church can be manipulated by the world system. Oh yeah, and I not agree, totally, yeah. and not even realize they're being manipulated. Until it's too late. I mean, they took all the guns from the German Jews before they took them to the gas chamber. They passed laws in Germany before World War II and did, you know, the whole gun confiscation. Um, There were mass shootings. There were shootings back then. It's just like it is now. Nothing is new. And so they used those reasons to pass laws in Germany to take the guns from the people. Right. Then the right time came. It was easy to load everybody up in boxcars mm-hmm. to go to wherever they lied about they were going to. Right. And we, we know we know how that ended. So I'm saying this whole spiritual system of Babylon is alive and well right now. Yeah. And it is alive and well and thriving right now. And it's. Uh, what did they say? It's, they get drunk on her blood. Is that what they said, right? Uh, no, she, little, she gets bl- drunk on the blood she, of the saints. Yeah. They, yeah. And that's starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a metaphor. I don't say literally right now, but a lot of these governors, a lot of these mayors are drunk on power. Right. And they're using it to come against our freedoms of this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of a, a, a thing that bothers me because I see our, I, I know that we're going to heaven. I know that heaven is our home. Obviously, I'm a believer. I, I know all that. I just, it's sad to see our country go through this. Yeah. And and what's more sad is for me to see believers and Christians not pushing back in the masses that they should. Do you, do you think that a lot of it has to do with... Uh... The fact that we are we are told in um, scripture that we have to obey the authorities of the land, and do you think that we're taking that overboard 
to mean everything that they say and not to be picky about um, kind of cherry picking about, okay, where well, they might be right here, but they might not be right here. I see it as being almost a blind faith to the government myself. A blind, a blind faith by the government? Would you uh, to, to the government. In other words, um, with scripture saying, you know, to obey the authorities because God has put oh, them okay. over us. And then, you know, but we're, a lot of Christians don't seem to be able to draw the line, I don't think anyway, to where, you know, you, you obey that to a certain point, And then you all of a sudden you realize, hey, you know, they're they're impeding. In other words, the scripture that you used, uh, as the time approaches, do not forsake the fellowship of the saints. That's a commandment. So that that viol- by the government telling you you can't meet together, that violates that that command that we're given to do that. So therefore, the the the, the decree of the government not to meet in churches is null and void, as far as I'm concerned, because because God's authority uh, or the authority given to the apostle to write that. To, mm-hmm. For us to understand, uh, far supersedes anything that Gavin Newsom or Kate Brown or pick your governor um, can dictate to you about that. Because, um, yeah, you know, the laws of the land state, you know, just like the, the Ten Commandments, you know, well, Ten Commandments, yeah. you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery. Although, you know, some of them seem to be thrown out the window now. Um, yeah. But, uh so I, you know, personally, and I just wanted to pick your brain on it too. Do you think that maybe the the commandment to obey the authorities is uh, many Christians take it as a blind commandment to obey them to the bitter end and not question when they when they seem to be um, impeding on what God has told us to do? I I agree 100. percent I think when a law of the land, you already said it, so I'm just repeating what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, when the law of a government supersedes the law of our God, that's when we draw the line. Right. But the problem is that a, most of the church world is illiterate, illiterate in the scriptures, and that verse that I quoted, they don't even know it's there. Right. And so they have no con- – they may feel in their spirit they should be going to church, but they don't have the word of God to confirm why. Mm-hmm. And so – they're going along with their leaders who probably know that, but their leaders maybe don't want to lose their tax exemption. They don't want to go to jail. They don't want to be fined. They don't right. want to be harassed. So uh-huh. they are not, they're not pushing it. But God tells us if we're friends with the world, we're enemies with him. Right. So if we're more afraid of a governor than we are of God, then there's a problem. With us, well, individually you're de- speaking, you're, de- you're deifying the uh, governor, basically, is what you're doing. Yeah, and you're you're insulting God's power and and pa- his power and who he is. You're insulting mm-hmm. him, like, what? He's probably going, what? What? You're afraid of Gavin, but not me, right? I can I can destroy his body and his soul and throw it into hell. Can you do that? Right. You know, right. Mm-hmm. and speaking in the third person, which I shouldn't be doing that, but it's just. That's where we're at right now, and there's a lot of fear of a lot of people out there. And I would say to any Christian living tonight and listening to us tonight, be more afraid of the Lord than your 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 peers and the governor. If you know that God is doing something, wants you to do something that's scripturally right, 
and right in his eyes, you do it. Right. And, and that, that's what's going on right now. And I'm speaking about this so much tonight because on TV every night, the mainstream media is putting fear into everybody. Right. It's, it's just a fear mongering all night long, every day, 24 seven, when you turn on the TV, except for Fox and a few stations. Right. So I, I'm tired of it. And I would say to my fellow believers, fear the Lord, not man. Mm-hmm. And if God wants you to worship him, you go worship him. And the perfect example is Moses when he left Egypt. He told he he was polite when he asked Pharaoh, we need to leave. Paraphrasing. Right. But as you know, uh, he had to get more forceful and God had to make him more forceful. Moses didn't want to do it because he was he was kind of afraid of Pharaoh. He didn't really want to do it. Right. But he feared God more than he feared Pharaoh because mm-hmm. of his encounter on the mountain. Right. And so he knew God was real. He saw him face to face. He didn't die. And he knew he had confidence that the person on that mountain would be with him in Egypt to get his people out. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need today. It's it's we need to know the word. We need to be in the word. But mm-hmm. there's believers that just get saved that are so bold and don't know anything and lead many people to the Lord. Right. They just start telling them about the love of Jesus mm-hmm. and they don't have scriptures to back it up. Right. They just know what God's done for them. That's we true. need that boldness now mm-hmm. to, at the right time, use wisdom to say, you know, no, I'm not going to do this with this or that anymore. Right. I want to go to church and meet with my family in church and worship God. I'm going to go to church today, even though I might be arrested. Mm-hmm. And I think in America, we've been so um, protected, not or, or I don't know what it is, pampered and protected and sheltered from real persecution that we're not used to it. Right. And when, when we see it about that, hey, if I push this too hard, I could be persecuted. We back away. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's fear. I get it. I totally, I, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want this to happen. But it's coming a time, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, that we're all going to have to make choices. Yeah. And then we're going to, and we're all going to know who are the real believers and who aren't the real believers. Mm-hmm. And pe- people in our churches that we've been sitting next to for decades, we're going to go, oh, my goodness. I don't know for sure if that person really owes the Lord and they're an elder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. It, it's true to stay. Yeah. Uh, um, Jim, from a Michiganders point of view in the church in Michigan, what do you see there? Well, if I can back up a little bit. Studying church history, I actually went to school to learn that. I think some things are a little less nefarious than what people understand, only because of the problem that the first century Christians had uh, as far as paganism and, and the problems that the early church was composed of Romans and Greeks. Um, transferring a Judaic culture and mindset into these hardcore pagans of Rome and Greek was not an easy task for the first century church to handle. So what they did, they had a biggest problem they had was that the, the pagan, I mean, they're born again, they got saved, they believe in Jesus, but they're still baby Christians that don't know their culture really is bad. So 
the church fathers tried to challenge them to make a decision. They decided to make Christmas the celebration of Jesus' birthday. They knew that it wasn't his his birthday. It was the darkest day um, of the year. It was the winter solstice, which was usually, uh, with the Romans and the Greeks, a drunken, orgy, crazy kind of a thing. So in their immature Christian minds, they would go and get drunk one day, and then the next day, go to church and and, and praise and worship God. So they said, you know, we got to put a stop to this. We got to cause them to make a, a decision. So they decided to celebrate Christmas on the same day as their pagan relation and being the darkest uh, day of the year when light came into darkness. They knew it wasn't Chris, uh, Christ's birthday, but they were challenging these pagans to make a choice. Are you going to celebrate your drunken orgies or are you going to go and worship God? So the whole foundation of why we have December 25th wasn't pagan influence. It was a challenge to the ignorance and stupidity of a culture that didn't know any better, trying to embrace or understand the concept of the, of the Jewish mind and the Jewish culture. Um, in America, in the West, they started adopting the idea of Christmas with a Christmas tree, the evergreen being everlasting. There is a Christian counterpart to every part of the traditional Christmas that we celebrate that was not pagan. It didn't have a pagan origin. It had a Christ-centered origin. But like anything that man starts out with good intentions, it became corrupted. All of a sudden, Satan Claus supersedes uh, uh, Jesus. I know in my own personal thing we continue to have a christmas tree and we didn't feel guilty and thinking that we were creating some kind of paganistic worship as according to one scripture because that was up in context something totally out of context from what the traditions was in america but satan likes to take and rob everything that god has and turn it into something nefarious so the divisions progressed the way i raised my kids there was no such thing as Santa Claus. Santa Claus was, there was a St. Nicholas and he did, you know, live in the Bavarian um, areas and and he created this idea of giving gifts to the poor and whatever, but he was not somebody that lives in the North Pole. He's not a real entity. Um, but kids, you know, let's, let's celebrate Christmas, but we're going to have a birthday cake for Jesus because we're going to celebrate his birthday. If everybody's going to celebrate their birthday, by God, we better be celebrating Jesus' birthday or let's be like the, uh, um, oh, what, <laughs> the watchtower people, um, Joe's witness, Joe's witness and celebrate no birthdays. So we would have a birthday cake for Jesus. We taught, taught our kids that although we don't believe in Santa Claus. Don't other people believe in this false belief system. Don't don't bother the kids and ruin it for them. Let them believe what they want to believe. When they're older, they're going to come to you and ask you for the truth because we're telling you the truth. But don't spoil it for them. Let it go. Don't make it an issue. Let them believe what they want to believe. But you know that Satan Claus isn't real. And he doesn't live in the North Pole. And He's actually a counterpart to take people away from their eyes on what, why we celebrate December 25th. The same with Istar, the celebration of uh, uh, another drunken, orgy, stupid thing that, oh my God, of, of everything, it, the worship of Istar 
which is so antichrist. So with our kids, I didn't want to make them feel estranged from everything. We would have an Easter egg hunt, but we'd tell them there's no such thing as an Easter bunny. This is actually a pagan holiday, but we're going to celebrate the death and resurrection, the most powerful thing that ever happened to mankind. We're going to celebrate Jesus's death and resurrection on this day. And this is all about him, not Easter bunnies. So again, we, we would have the, we would teach our kids, they could have the fun of an Easter egg hunt and have little clues as they progressed and got more knowledgeable and, and older. We were able to give them the fun of the holiday without all the paganism crap that go, went along with it. And mm -hmm. in doing that, by the time my kids were teenagers, they had all of the kids coming to them for counseling, coming to them for help. They were years ahead of everyone else because they were taught reality and they were taught grace and compassion on those that didn't understand or believe the other way. So I, I think all three of us are on the same page with its intent of heart. This is the bottom to all of our faith is that God is not a formula. He's not a system. He's not a special name. A baby will cry out Dada or, or whatever. There's no sacred name to breach him. God knows the heart. And if you're calling upon his name, no matter what you call it, he's going to answer you because he knows your heart. So I, we're on, on the same page on that. But I, it's a lot less nefarious than what the popular trend is now to bash anything and everything that, you know, I don't put a Christmas tree up anymore. I put a nativity scene up. The only reason I don't put a Christmas tree up is because I'm tired of all of the persecution of others saying that this is pagan, horrible. Whatever. It's like, you know what? Let me be peace with all people. I don't need the Christmas tree. I'll I'll put the nativity scene up. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But in my mm -hmm. heart, I don't see any problem with a tree if you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, that's why I've been kind of silent. I didn't want to stir anything up or anything. But um, um, I know, and, and you know, we've had this talk before. You know, and, and we're. Um... And we're, and we're, I think we were 99% in agreement, you know. Right, it's, right. And, right. and yeah. behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. So we're, we're in unity and yeah. uh, that's the important thing. And, um, it's, um, it's just something, you know, it's like I mentioned, uh, it's, it's a culture shock thing, you know, in, in many ways. And, right. And when Pastor uh, Kelly had, uh, mentioned that in church one day, a lot of people, um, I don't know if they were offended or if they were just shocked, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was just an interesting observation. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, and I didn't know he was going to do that, you know, and I was, it was, uh, it would have been interesting to have been going into a, some kind of psychology class, um, you know, talking about different cultures and then watching that and writing a paper on it. I think I could have uh, probably aced that paper, you know, just by, by observation. And, um, but, um, but, you know, this, this is probably a good segue into the rest of the chapter where it talks about, um, uh, <laughs> you know, it is because there's so many different opinions about who this person is, yeah. you know, um, about a person that uh, was and then was not and is again. Um, and he's the, the seventh of the eighth or the sixth and the seventh. He's, I can't remember. He is of the seven. Yeah. He is of the seven and is the eighth. So there's yeah. one, person, one person with the spirit of Antichrist that will 
lived twice. Mm-hmm. He's dead. He's a, he's he's dead, and yet he comes back alive. He's going to be the counterpart, the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of of his own kind, as Jesus was the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of his own kind. So right. completely the same but opposite. So yeah, that's uh, you know, it's funny that that again, a lot of our eschatology, end time study of end time events, has been based on, and uh, and I don't mean to bash Tim LaHaye. But his assumptions are based on the idea of some of arrogant American concept that somehow America is so special that we're going to be spared from any kind of a tribulation. And so the idea of the concept of a pre-tribulation rapture where every good believer is taken away and those that were not worthy of being able to be taken are left behind to uh, be punished to be the tribulation saints. That is Swiss cheese theology. That is what Peter said. That stuff is going to be shook up and revealed for what it is. I've had in the one church that I belong to, the general congregation were the missionaries that went out into all the world. Even kids went into Muslim uh, areas uh, under the guise of being uh, uh, an exchange student. Um, We didn't even know what countries they were in because we wanted to keep it a secret. But we had parents that had such faith that they would allow their kids to go into a country and face death. That was the kind of faith that they were taught, and it was just incredible. I mean, they didn't have an official board of official um, ambassadors or, you know, missionaries that went. The missionaries were the people. If they were able to raise up enough money to buy their own ticket, then they, they went. And they did take a basic course in presenting the gospel or whatever, but uh, that had given such spiritual growth to the general congregation um, because they were doers, not just hearers. They had an opportunity to go to you know places that maybe they'd never been. And in all the other places outside of America, the one thing that they asked people not to do was please don't mention this pre-tribulation rapture because we find it offensive. Why? Because they have suffered. How much suffering can you suffer? Um, they have suffered for their faith in such horrible ways that Americans couldn't even begin to conceive. So when you mention the Great Tribulation, we're going to be spared. That's offensive to them. It's like rubbing salt into a wound because they've already endured. I mean, in Uganda, when Idi Amin said, okay, uh, you Christians, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? I'm going to rip your lips off, cut them off so you can't even talk. You can't confess with your mouth or with your lips, the uh, Jesus Christ the Lord. The Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, they said they took the elders of the church. They said, uh, okay, so you, you want to be um, crucified with like Christ? Okay, they put them up on a cross and they would put spikes through their eyes and nail them to a tree through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Torment, uh, just horrible. So, you know, the, the rest of the world didn't want to hear this pre-tribulation Tim LaHaye kind of a thing. It's American arrogance, I think, is, is what it really was all about. But so, you know, all my life, I mean, 40, what, 40, I think 46 years as a Christian, 43 years as a minister, um, by what I was taught by rightly dividing the word, I, I took it, the first church I went to was a fundamentalist Baptist church. And, of course, all they taught was the pre-tribulation. They said everything has to be verified 
takes some work. And as I did it, I realized, okay, hey, gifts are still here today. They didn't end. And this idea of a pre-tribulation rapture, I don't see it in the Bible anywhere. Matter of fact, I see something totally different. Well, later they call it the pre-wrath rapture. We were not appointed to the wrath of God, but, you know, we're taken. So that I kind of adhered to. Until 2016, the Lord sat me down and said, Jim, there is going to be a pre-tribulation rapture, but it's going to be not like anything you've ever been taught. And so the Lord showed me how there's going to be one group whose destiny, like Enoch, walked with God and was taken. Was not. They are going. But there's another group who have been predestined. Their destiny is to go through the tribulation. The tribulation saints are people that have been prepared from birth. They know they're warriors. They know that they are going to go through, but not because they've been punished to left behind, but because they are going to through a destiny to be the tribulation saints. They've had targets on their backs since they were born. Everybody that is one of these knows what I'm talking about. They have survived death. They have survived so many different things, one after another. But it's developed them to who they are today, good or bad. They've made it who they are today to be prepared to go through the hardest time to be the warriors that are going to faithfully follow the lamb wherever he leads. And he's leading some pretty strange places. One of them is the whole Genesis 6 paradigm. Once you understand what happened just as in the days of Noah, so should the coming of Son of Man be. My gosh, that is a revelation in itself. Um, it it describes and goes into areas that the most of the church does not want to hear. They want to take, now I get these always confused. It's the blue pill, right? They want to take the blue pill right. and go back into the matrix and just pretend everything is just fine, hunky-dory. The red pill people, they want the truth no matter how hard, no matter how weird it might be. They follow the lamb wherever they, wherever the lamb goes. The lamb's going to Genesis 6. What happened then is happening now again, full circle. So all of the things that we've discussed tonight, they're just merely things that have existed before the flood and they're coming back again. The technology, I mean, you know, when we have Jonathan Gray on here, man, and he was, we had to, like you said, we had to have a show just to uh, debrief everybody. From, Digest maybe is a better <laughs> yeah, word. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then when we get Rodney uh, Madsen back on and his wife, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I need to invite him maybe for next week. I'm excited about one thing. I've got a man who's getting me in contact. He lives in Michigan. My God, he lived right in the neighborhood that I live in right now. And he probably knows of me and I probably know of him. He, under the instruction guides of the Lord, made an anti-gravity aircraft that works. Oh, my goodness. He lives in Michigan. I'm going to get him on our program. He is giving away his book for free because, as he said, the, we are in the last of last days. I don't want – I've made the money that I need to make. I don't need to make any more money. Time is running out. I'm giving your my book free to anyone that wants it. Um, that's just his heart. He is, he's got a very humble heart, but this guy is a um, – he's a – I don't know what exactly his background is. I think his background was mainly in um, – theoretical physics uh, a physicist his daddy now he he escaped um uh communist germany east germany in 1965 and came to america um was a christian now he's born again spirit-filled christian his daddy was a um theoretical physicist who was actually a 
a commander in the uh, Panzer Division of the Wappen SS. Oh, wow. But, yeah. That's amazing. And he was familiar with the Hanabu. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And this is what's incredible. Mm. I can show him through the Bible, you know, this, this man. Um, I started reading his book, and I couldn't put it down. You know, it's just like, it's just incredible. This guy is such a a real sold-out Christian. And he probably knows me, and I probably know him. Our paths probably crossed because we were in the same area at the same time, actively involved in evangelism in the 70s when I pastored the King's Kids. Um, he lives up north now. In a couple of weeks, I'm hopefully going up there to meet him and talk with him, and I'm going to invite him to be on our program. But I'm really praying about this. I can show him through the Bible. If he's got a mercury vortex implosion engine, which I think he is working on it because that's what the Hannibal was made from, right? and I can show him how to do not only a centrifugal, centrifugal, but a centrifugal one, we can turn it into a diglaca. Uh-huh. Now, don't you go hopping into that thing and go. Oh, see that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't know yeah. how far I can go with this, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what's the interesting thing? I was praying and really seeking the Lord about it, you know? And, and the thing is that I don't want to change anything in the past. No. Uh-uh. Not one thing, good or bad, that ever happened in my life, I don't want to jeopardize. If something ain't broke, don't fix it. I am fully happy with who I am now and what God has done through me and what potential he is continually wanting me to do until I'm done doing everything that he does. I don't want to jeopardize that. My actual intrusion could create a big mess. Well, you know, Jim, I got to let you know something that um, I had a dream the other night where you went back in time and got me the lottery numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Or ahead of time, we got me the lottery numbers. And uh, and we were able to really <laughs> anyway. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? Well, maybe I can go back to the '60s and invest in uh, uh, Texas Instruments when they first can uh, did the the handheld computer. Because I mean, I when I went to college. We used the slide rule. You know, I look at the slide rule today, and I'm like the monkeys in 2001: Space Odyssey, looking at the obelisk. I'm just like. Uh, yeah. I don't even know where to begin on the thing. I forgot it all. You know, you know, it's like, um, and I'm afraid cell phones are doing the same thing with our mentality. Now we're so used to uh, asking Alexa or Siri or whatever uh, for everything. We don't use our brains to think anymore. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, I got it. Now I don't know whether, did I tell you about assassins 33 AD? Yeah, I saw it. It's a good movie. Oh, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, if I hadn't, and I don't mean this in vanity, but but really, that I never thought I would live to see the day when quantum physics time travel was produced by a major Christian production. That you got to admit, that was not a cheesy, low budget production. They had some great <clears throat> animations and and uh, I mean, it was a good production, don't you think? I really enjoyed it being a fan of time travel. And I, I enjoyed the different paradoxes that he put in it, that they put in it too. Um, Brian, yeah. uh, have you seen that movie, Brian? No, I haven't. I've oh, just heard Brian. about it. 
Brian, it's on, I think it's on Amazon, isn't it, Jim? It's yeah, on, yeah, it's Amazon, and it's only like three ninety nine. Even if you have Prime, you still got to pay for it. But it's like three ninety nine, and it to rent it, you have a month to watch it. It, it but you start watching it, you're not gonna you're gonna stop until you watch yeah, it. It's, it's, it's a it call. It's it's uh, Assassins thirty three A D. I don't want to tell I don't want to tell our audience or you too much about it. It yeah. is awesome, <laughs> man. It is it. It's a mind blower. It presents on quantum physics. It presents all three time paradoxical situations. It presents all three of them because if you got a time machine, you can go back and redo and redo and redo. So three times it addresses three different paradoxes or conflicts in time. And it does it in such a godly way. And at the end, I don't know about you, Dave, but I was in tears. It was just. Yeah, it was. It brought me to tears, too, because yeah. I realized that. That what was what happened was meant to be, and there there was nothing that could stop it. Well, I like the, the one guy Simon, man. He said, "Dude, he was talking to you in English before English was even around. Can't you realize that <laughs> yeah. had to be God, man?" <laughs> <laughs> this guy was so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, I highly so, recommend that movie. Yeah. So, audience, uh, if you want to really be blessed, I never thought I would live to see the day when that movie was there. But you know, in and I don't mean this is some, some ego trip, but if I hadn't been persistent in planting seeds about time travel, about the end times being the end of linear time as we know it, 25 years I've been um, planting seeds and, and continuing steadfastly in, in saying this. And back 25 years ago, I was the biggest kook. In the, I was the David Icke of Christianity, really. And I persisted. I didn't let up. And I think... Planting those seeds caused this, helped to cause this movie become a reality. I mean, they did an excellent job of it. Um, I never thought I'd live to see the day when I would see something like that as a mainstream production. The Hollow Earth video that I was in, never thought I would ever see that become a reality either. Yeah, that was trippy. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's because the apocalypse means the lifting of the veil, the revealing of where we are now. And why? Because... <laughs> When the past creates, when the future creates the past, the the here and now has to be revealed. That's what the revelation is. We need to know where we are, why we are here, how we got here, because there is a space-time conflict. A quantum entanglement is what it would be called according to quantum physics. That is a reality, our reality, and now the veil is being lifted and we're becoming more and more aware of this. This is where... You know, an example, the Bible says in uh, Obadiah, though you mount up to heaven with the wings of an eagle and make a nest amongst the stars, yet I shall bring you down. When you look at the Hebrew there, it literally means that in the last of the last days, somebody has colonized planets. Mm -hmm. That's right. So if we're in the last of the last days, I don't know, have you heard anything about colonies on any other planets? I've heard wild rumors. Right. Um, this our 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 brother in the Lord uh, Rodney Matson. He knows a lot about that, uh -huh. and I've done some more further research, and I know a lot about that too. And it's like, oh, there is a secret space space program, yep. <laughs> a colony on Mars. That sounds fruit loopy, <laughs> but it's it's real. Yeah, it's it's part of the revelation. We need to know why we are where we're at. So, a lot of freaky stuff, man. I mean, it sounds. 
that was one of the programs I was afraid to even do, man, because it sounded so weird. Right. But and, and I deal with weird twenty four seven for a lot of years, and and that was weird to me. Well, it was weird to all of us, and yet it was real. And I think the spirit bore witness to it was real because it was one of the our biggest programs we had, other than Jonathan Gray just a couple of weeks ago. Right. So. Right. Um, um, there's a stuff that we think we know that we don't know. So we've kind of gone down a rabbit trail. So we were going to talk about. Uh, this, this, uh, this character that, uh, Oh was... yeah. Revelation 17th chapter. Yeah. Hmm. Who is it, Jim? Come on, man. Well, let's see. It says, first off, we got to understand there is actually a globalist elite conspiracy. In Revelation 17, 12, and 13, it says, and the 10 horns, which you saw are 10 Kings, which have received no kingdom yet. But receive power as kings one hour with the beast. They have one mind and shall give their power and strength to the beast. Now, ten. Ten people. When we now you were there, I haven't seen it yet, but you were there to see the on thirty three point three degree line parallel in Georgia, the Georgia Guidestones. Right. In ten different languages, ten different statements by an elite, unknown elite that posts the agenda 21 that in order to have a manageable earth, they want a reduction in, in the global population to be 500 million people, which means 6.5 billion people have to die. That's right. Agenda 21. Now the United Nations, if you follow the money trail goes from Nazi Germany to supporting the United Nations. Why? Because the same agenda is being put through an antichrist agenda. Now they've carved out the entire globe to be in 10 sections. Boy, that 10 number just keeps popping up, don't it? Yeah, it does. 10 sections. Well, who do you think is going to invest into the B system to get back and be leaders of one of 10 promised sections? This well, I know is one guy, George Soros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, and Bill Gates and yeah. let's, Rockefellers, uh, Rockefellers, Roth, Rothschilds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And wait a minute, that's a Jew. <gasps> that can't happen. <laughs> yes, it can. But it doesn't mean that all Jews have this priori of Zion, uh, you know, thing. I mean, replacement theology. Oh, my gosh. I have had to, people in my own ministry that I'm involved with, this is how confused Christians are today. They started spouting off all this. Uh, anti-Semitism stuff and the, the Jews that are in Israel now are the Kenites and they're not they're not real Jews and we got to you know we got to kick them out and dispose them God's done with Israel now and, oh well, how, bizarres, yeah mm -hmm. yeah and so okay well then how how can you explain Zechariah 12th chapter where there's a national repentance of Israel when they look when they look up and they see um the one whom they have pierced and mourn for uh, one as their only begotten son. That is Jesus. They become uh, aware and realize that Jesus Christ was little. So Khazars or whatever you want to call them, I don't care. But those people in there are the ones that God had promised would have a national repentance. So you're going to be, uh, because of your replacement theology, you're going to be storming the beaches where I'm going to be sitting there defending them from you. You're on the wrong side of history. You're on the wrong side of God. Well, the replacement theology people aren't redeemed because it's, you know, using just plain old logic, 
I always, I always throw at them, you know, hey, you know, is, do you agree that Jesus is coming to redeem the Jews? Yes, he is. Okay, um, do you believe he's coming in the last days to do so? Yes, he is. So if you're Jewish and he's coming, he must be coming to redeem you, which means you're not redeemed. So you can't be a believer. You know, and, and boy, I tell you, you see the little Robbie the Robot antennas start to turn when you do that, you know, and it's, yeah. it's exactly. You know, yeah. Like, I take great offense at that and for obvious reasons, but, um, but, um, it, it's ludicrous. It really is. And, um, it's just, uh, it's a you false know, doctrine it, built it, on jealousy. It was warned that in the last days, Israel would be in their worst apostate state ever. He says, uh, I, the name of, of, of God, and you reject me. There's right. another that will come in his own name, and him you shall follow. That's the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be embracing the cosmic Christ, the wrong Christ. Like you were talking earlier, you know, it depends on what Jesus you're talking about. You're talking about the cosmic Christ, <laughs> you're on the wrong side of everything. That's right. Um, you know, uh, the scriptures say that there is a beast that was, is not, and yet is. Even he is of the seven. And is of the ape. Mm -hmm. Now, that means the beast there, this is an individual human being, a first person singular noun. It is not an ecclesiastical organization. It is not a, um, a, a government or structure or anything else. It is an individual person who is alive. He dies. Oh, and he comes back alive again. Mm -hmm. And he's a ruler of one of seven empires who will rule the final ape empire. Mm -hmm. Now, there's been a spirit of Antichrist that existed all throughout mankind, maybe back to the Garden of Eden, or at least we know by, um, by Cain. Nim yeah. Nimrod. Yeah, or Cain, Cain or Nimrod um, is where this all started in the rebellion. Um, when Nimrod was told to, uh, or, you know, the mankind was told to scatter abroad, be fruitful, and multiply, he gathered everybody together and tried to ascend into heaven literally trying to re now the thing is it was not a climbing program the tower of babel was built in a valley if you're going to build a, pro, a a climbing program you're going to put it in the highest mountaintop um that's around the area but they put it in a valley why because they weren't trying to literally reach into heaven they were trying to bore or pry open into the third heaven. yeah by by a knowledge that they were regathering this was a like a um it was a cern it was a an ancient cern basically yeah yeah and yeah. they were trying to contain that knowledge knowing that someday people would take this knowledge be able to act, actually apply it and because time would no longer mean anything they would be an active participant so it was like an accumulation of all the knowledge that they remembered before the flood about space time and they were trying to rebuild what was once lost they knew that sometime in the future man would actually be able to do it. It's like, you know, you could know how to, uh, you know, all about broadcasting a TV station or whatever, but you're all of a sudden stranded on an island. You don't know how to take the raw elements and build uh, your own transceiver or whatever to broadcast yourself, help get me out of here. But you know the ideas that are behind it. So you go ahead and write these ideas down, knowing that sometime in the future, somebody can put it all together and then you can be an active participant. So this is kind of what was going on. It was a suppository of information um, that the Tower of Babel had. So one individual did put it all back together. Who was that? Well, it was this guy that uh, was alive, 
um, a ruler of seven empires. His life was an exact mirror of Jesus Christ. He had 12 people around him. One betrayed him. One was replaced. But God had a, uh, and Satan had another choice. And that was someone that would replace them that would go into the enemy's camp and convert them from within. Um, so we have Jesus who had um, 12 disciples. He talked about a thousand year reign, a millennial reign. He had one that betrayed him. And another was chosen by man by through lots, Matthias. But God had another plan, and that was Paul. So this other guy had 12 henchmen around him. Rudolf Hess betrayed him. Um, Admiral Donuts was the replacement. However, Satan had another man, and that was um, Werner von Braun, who came into the camp of the enemy and converted them from within. Oh, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, yeah, okay. The guy that was, is not, and yet is. Um, April 30th, 1945 is the day that he committed suicide. He did it according to the right of Endura and an ancient Carther practice of, uh, in order for hope of a resurrection, a male and female had to be a complete sacrifice. So he married Eva Braun only because he was following this ritual in hopes of a resurrection. Um, so April 30th, 1945, when Adolf Hitler did blow his brains out, according to the scriptures in Daniel 11th chapter, um, he didn't survive it. He didn't escape and become a priest down in Argentina or some other obscure things that Hunting Hitler series had proclaimed. I addressed the Hunting Hitler series uh, and revealed all the scriptures that caused people to hopefully understand that he was the firstborn of the dead of his kind, just as Jesus was the firstborn. They're the only two people on this planet that do not have a grave anywhere because they did not die. They resurrected. Mm hmm. Hitler talked about a thousand-year Reich. Jesus had a thousand-year reign. They mirror each other in so many different ways. John the Baptist introduced to him. Dietrich Eckert introduced him in the same but opposite way. Uh, Moses wrote all of the scriptures pertaining to this man. Eventually, someday that would come. Helena Bobaski wrote about this other man that would come in the same but opposite way. Her book reads out like Deuteronomy and Numbers, just in the same but opposite. She's the anti-Moses, what I call her. Everything is happening in the same but opposite fashion. And only one man ever completed that, and that was Adolf Hitler. He completed half the scriptures in two comings of the Antichrist. I think the spirit of Antichrist has existed probably all throughout history. Satan entered into um, Judas Iscariot. He was called the man of sin, the son of perdition. That is two names that in the New Testament is referred to as the Antichrist. He had the spirit of Antichrist in him, but it left him. And as soon as it did, he was so full of remorse, he went and hung himself. Whenever we try to overstep the plan of God and try to help God out, we're in jeopardy of being like Judas. God doesn't need our help. He needs our conformity. He needs our flexibility to trust him, to follow him. Everywhere you look, the main thing that people were judged for was their fearfulness. It wasn't hate. Hate isn't the opposite of love. It's fear. Fear of not trusting God. Fear of not believing God. Fear of not living by his plan, but either trying to help God or do your own thing. That's what's going to get you in trouble. It's fear, not believing God. So these are the things that, that are there in the context 
some people, there, there was a, an iconic book called The Two Babylons. Um, it was talking about the Roman church being the seven, you know, hills and all that stuff. You know, the scholarship on that is so flaky that it doesn't hold up to anything, but yet it's, it had become an iconic thing that nobody questioned. But it doesn't hold up to the integrity of the scriptures. A first person singular noun is used when it says, and he is of the seven and is the eighth. He means a first person singular. That means, sorry, that means an individual human was alive, dies, and comes back again. It right. comes back pit. Now, the interesting thing, too, is CERN has been playing around with bringing other uh, dimensional entities or whatever into reality. And you ask them, why are we doing it? Because then basically they say, because we can. But right. I used to think they randomly didn't know what they were doing. I actually now realize that they are selectively looking through a mirror like the Alice in Wonderland. There was actually a program that was produced one time by a private corporation called the, the Looking Glass. And it was named that because they found a technology that if you put a Tesla coil yeah. either side and get in the middle of it, Nikola Tesla realized that he could see past, present, and future all at one time. I can't even begin to wrap my head around something like that, how that how your mind could even conceive of it or know it. Mm-hmm. But this was something that, that was researched and done. And the private corporation that, that did this, it wasn't a military operation. Um, Donald Trump owned that corporation. Right. Interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> Well, that's where you have to understand who Dr. John Trump was to understand how he's connected to Nikola Tesla. And there, you know, I would go off on a bunny trail, but the thing is that there is so much reality opposing the matrix. It runs deep. How many people aren't going to be brave enough? Our audience is brave enough. I mean, they kind of thrive on this stuff, which is, I think is kind of cool. But it sounds so insane to the normal world. You know, I've done this day for 24 years, so it's normal for me. So sometimes when I'm talking to people, and I'm just talking matter of fact, like this and this, and, it, and people are looking at me like, you are totally insane. And I realized, you know what? Step it down, man. These people don't have any clue. <laughs> You're going on too strong. So I've had to learn to be very light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, only feed a little bit out at a time and see what, how long their interest went, you know, goes on to it. And mainly just, you know, I don't have to sell this to you. Just do your own research. The information's out there. It's not some big secret. It is out there now. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, the government recently now has admitted, okay, yeah, we've had a lot of UFO encounters and situations, and now we're going to start releasing it. They're doing that to get us prepared to meet the cosmic coming Christ. Who mm-hmm. isn't the one, but well, just watch a lot of Star Trek and you'll get used to the whole conditioning idea. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wacko, man. It's so nuts, but yet it's so true. And these are the things that we have to be open to. But Assassin 33 AD, everybody in the audience, uh, Brian, watch it. You, it's going to blow your mind. Get some popcorn um, and, and prepare yourself for. And a box of Kleenex. You might need not the whole box, but maybe one Kleenex at the very end. It's it's going to touch you. <laughs> That's I true. never thought I 
I never thought I'd live to see today when when mainstream Christianity or let's say mainstream Watchmen would actually present something like that. But it just tells me that we're getting that much closer. The people are beginning to understand the realities. Daniel, shut up and seal up the meetings until the time of the end when people run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Man, we're in them times right now. We need to know this stuff. It's in the Bible. It's not weirdo stuff. It's not out of the it's out of the box, but that's why probably why uh, Jesus said in, in Revelation, he says, they will sing a new song. They will follow a new path, a new way. Doesn't mean that the gospel's change. It means that our understanding has now approached the ability to comprehend space-time manipulation and all the other weird stuff. The end times literally means the end of linear time. And, wow, who could ever... Matter of fact, remember... Remember the I remember the one time um, you said, Jim, Revelations ten thirteen. Look at what the scripture says, man. And I looked at it and I go, Whoa! And time shall be no more. It was talking about linear time will no longer exist at this uh, a decisive moment in time. I think we're on the verge of it. Oh, did I tell you that? Remember I said that one of the indications of an axis shift when CERN would fire up is a double hurricane. Right now, that would have to be followed by um, that would have to be followed by seismic activity, earthquakes, and volcanic activity. So if that happens in the next couple of months or next couple of weeks, goody goody. Because you know what happened just a couple couple of days ago, a double hurricane hit Panama, and now it's affecting everything from Louisiana, Texas. It's messing up all the weather. It says the first time it ever hit. You know, in in the Panama area and the Gulf Coast. Um, well, no, we've had it hit Florida and the East Coast several times in the last few years, every time CERN had fired up. So whether CERN fires up or not, you know what? I think maybe they are, but they just don't want to advertise it because they yeah, don't. I, I was just going to say that, you know, they're not going to tell us every time they fire oh, that thing off. Oh, you matter know. of fact, listen, they weren't going to fire it off this year, but you know what? It looks like they are. Because yeah, all the indicators sure. are, and I'm going, yippee, this is Mark Taylor's reset. Yes, Lord. Yes, let's do it. Let's reset. Man, this world is getting so spun out of crazy. And that's the other thing. We've discussed that. You know, the thing is that the, whether it be the COVID virus, whether it be uh, Black Lives Matter, all of this stuff is aimed at one thing. Keep President Trump out of office right. for the next four Right. The people, the, the elites, all of them are terrified because they know if Trump has another four years, they will cease to. Well, they'll be at Gitmo yeah. <laughs> is where they're going. And guess what? I believe in the prophets. I believe in God's plan. He's going to win by a landslide. It's a done deal. It's yeah. it's going to happen. That's how you guys lose. We already won because our Lord already won at the cross. Amen. Right. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, really. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, it's getting close to that two-hour mark. We're at 1.55. Pumpkin time. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I, 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 I got to get a picture of this because I'm going to flash it to you sometime. I found a cup, and it has a big pumpkin on it, and I thought, oh, I got I to gotta do this, Dave. He's always come up with these cool pumpkin pictures. I'm going to throw one back at him at this cup. <laughs> so expect it maybe in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to throw this pumpkin thing at you. Yeah, I'll get to go to the store and take a picture of a pumpkin pie. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Anyway, well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having both of you here. I wish Eric would have been here, but I guess he's got yeah. commitments. And, you know, he said that he may be a little uh, iffy uh, in August. So um, he'll just have to play catch up, listen to the show. That's all. But um, yeah. it's always a blessing to have you. Brian, I know you're you're tired. You've worked a long day. And, Jim, I know you're tired. You've had a long day. And I've had a lot of naps. To, oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> That's not <laughs> don't, fair. Don't worry, I'll make up for it on the weekend. Trust me. <laughs> but uh, um, it's it's always a pleasure being with you guys. It really is. It's uh, it's um, one of those getting togethers of the uh, saints. Uh, Amen. Yeah. Two or more are gathered, and there's three of us here. Actually, there's four. The Lord right. count the Lord. And um, so uh, you know, it's these times are times that I relish. Monday nights uh, very special to me. And um, I just want you to know that, that you guys are, are special to me and that uh, I, I really value your brotherhood and your your uh, your fellowship very, very much. And um, I'm glad that we <laughs> can do this all the time. And, and um, yeah, so, well, guys, yeah. well, thank uh, you. Well, thank you, man. And uh, I'm sure I, I did. By the way, I put a call out to Russ. um Tanner, the uh, chemtrail guy, waiting for him to get back to me. And I'm still waiting to find a, a Christian Bigfoot expert. I'm looking all over the place for them. Um, I thought I found one, but, um, you know, when we're, we're offline or something or some other time, I, ex- I can explain why I don't think they're a viable alternative. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, anyway, uh but, um, you know, so always looking for, um, uh, for people that are interesting and, and Jim, if you can get that guy, um, you're going to go up and see, you know, if he's willing to come on the show and talk about it, man, that would be awesome. Oh, I um, hope so. I, I think he will be. It's just a matter of getting connected. My, yeah. my cop not able to make it up there right now. So I, you know, I'm the Lord's working on it. I think in a couple of weeks I might be able to have uh, the ability to actually drive up there myself and I'm oh. going to do that. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, guys. Well, Brian, stay safe down there. Uh, the All Lord, right. The Lord keep you safe from get... fires and crazy people. And, I'm going to uh, get Rodney set up for next week. Okay, Dave? Yeah. Sounds really good, man. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, All guys, right. God bless. And um, All right. God bless, talk to you soon, All guys. Right. Okay. Yeah. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.